Law and Liberty. This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download this book or purchase a physical copy. Law and Liberty. Russus J. Rushdoony. Copyright 1984 and 2009. Alicito, California. Chapter 31. Planning for Famine. A distinguished American, E. Pomely Prentice, who wrote two important works on the subject of famine, Farming for Famine, written in 1936, and Hunger and History, in 1939, gives us a vivid picture of the fearful role of famine in man's life. On page after page, he recounts the centuries-old horror of death by starvation, of people eating the bark of trees, resorting to cannibalism and the eating of their own children, and still dying by the tens of thousands and even millions. This was common for ages and well into the 18th century. The world at that time was sparsely populated. There was no shortage of land and growing space, but people lived meagerly most of the time. Hunger stalked every continent and famine was commonplace. During one century alone, Prentice listed 15 famines in England and other famines in Scotland and Ireland. These famines in England were accompanied by the usual horrors, people eating the bark of trees, grass, turning to cannibalism and dying on all sides. During the reign of Edward I, a 23-year dearth saw the churches without any wine for communion. In China, throughout the centuries, famine has been a part of the life of the people and a normal part of the mortality rate. In Europe, before the beginning of the 19th century, the same thing was true. Famine was a major cause of death and a normal part of life. The one part of the world that has not known famine has been the United States. After the early years of colonization, America has seen, instead of hunger and famine, an abundance of food and a standard of eating unknown by royalty of ancient times. One of the vivid descriptions of farm life comes from the autobiography of Mark Twain. In writing of his boyhood, Mark Twain said, quote, It was a heavenly place for a boy, that farm of my Uncle John's. The house was a double log one with a spacious floor, roofed in, connecting it with the kitchen. In the summer, the table was set in the middle of that shady and breezy floor. And the sumptuous meals, well, it makes me cry to think of them. Fried chicken, roast pig, wild and tame turkeys, ducks and geese, venison just killed, squirrels, rabbits, pheasants, partridges, prairie chickens, biscuits, hot batter cakes, hot buckwheat cakes, succotash, butter beans, string beans, tomatoes, peas, Irish potatoes, sweet potatoes, buttermilk, sweet milk, clabber, watermelons, muskmelons, cantaloupes, all fresh from the garden, apple pie, peach pie, pumpkin pie, apple dunkling, peach cobbler. I can't remember the rest. The way that the things were cooked was perhaps the main splendour, end quote. Before we dismiss Mark Twain's picture by saying that America was then young, rich and underpopulated, let us remember that before the white man settled America, the Indians, who were perhaps at most 300,000 persons across the continent, starved regularly. Famine was a normal part of Indian life, and the reason was not overpopulation. In fact, this myth of overpopulation has nothing to do with the subject of food and the supply of food. People have, age after age, 
starved to death in lands with small populations and rich soil, and also lived richly in heavily populated areas. Both Prentice and Cornelius Walford have pointed out that the basic causes for famine are not those we usually consider, but rather, quote, human folly and ignorance, end quote. Storms and droughts are a normal part of human existence. Nature is a condition of life, and man can protect himself to a considerable degree from natural disasters. Moreover, natural disasters tend to be local, confined to a particular area. It does not flood everywhere, but in a particular area. A cyclone strikes a particular region, not a whole nation. The basic causes of famine are man-made, and man's greatest problem is to protect himself against himself. Now, according to Walford and Prentice, four important causes of famine are the following. Number one, the prevention of cultivation or the willful destruction of crops. Number two, defective agriculture caused by communistic control of land. Number three, governmental interference by regulation or taxation. Number four, currency restrictions, including debasing the coin. These four factors add up to one thing, socialism. A major product of socialism is always agricultural chaos and famine. The old Russia was the breadbasket of Europe. It has had several major famines and a chronic agricultural problem since going communist. The United States, in Mark Twain's day, was a free country and its production of food was the envy of the world. Much of the world has rich soil, but little of the world has the free men to make use of that soil. Today, the United States is moving steadily into socialism and into problems of food shortage. We have been stockpiling American-produced foods to give away while importing the same foods often from abroad. The United States is now the world's second largest importer of farm commodities, second only to Great Britain. The very items that the federal government claims we are overproducing, we are at the same time importing because we are short of them. Controls are leading us into economic chaos and some of the very same federal officials are beginning to talk of the possibilities of food shortages and famine. In the last century, when Europe joined America in freeing its economics of state controls, Europe, like America, enjoyed a famine-free century although its populations in some areas more than doubled. Together, Europe and the United States set a standard of liberty and economic security and freedom for all the world, and all the continents began to experience a measure of victory over the ancient curse of famine. All over the world, with the growth of liberty, populations increased and the supply of food increased. It was free farmers who made possible a new growth of human welfare. However, with the 20th century... Socialism offered a supposed shortcut to paradise on earth, status controls. As the tide turned towards socialism, so also did famine begin to return. The more severe the socialism, the more severe the famine. Instead of blaming socialism for hunger and famine, the socialists began to make excuses. Overpopulation is a myth created by the status to excuse their growing failure to feed people. But the American Indians, as we have seen, starved regularly before the coming of the white man. Very commonly they turned to cannibalism. And the very word cannibalism comes from the name of the Carib Indians of Haiti, whom Columbus met. The cannibalism of the Caribbeans was spoken of as a Caribbean practice. 
and the word Caribbean gradually changed to cannibal. The Indian tribes lacked freedom. Tribalism in its various forms was a kind of primitive communism. Even the freest tribes, where private property had some standing, lacked the freedom that is necessary for initiative. As a result, the Indians starved regularly on a rich continent. But the white settlers overpopulated America as compared to the Indian population and lived in plenty. The difference was liberty, faith and hard work. By the sweat of their brow, the settlers made the land productive and rich. They made the name of America synonymous with liberty and wealth in the minds of all the peoples of the earth. Now, however, we are supposedly going to overcome all man's problems by laws, regulations and push buttons. In fact, former Secretary of Agriculture Orville L. Freeman has predicted that we will have, quote, farming by satellite, end quote, by the year 2000. Space satellites will give farmers the basic information for farming. According to Freeman, quote, While the farmers of tomorrow study reports in their air-conditioned offices, relieved at last of the physical drudgery and occupational anxiety so traditionally theirs, and the Secretary of Agriculture takes unaccustomed ease at his desk in Washington, these shining satellites equipped with the most sophisticated remote sensing instruments are supplying the information needed to make key decisions, end quote. Freeman went on to tell a convention of the National Association of Science Teachers, quote, Information gathered from throughout the world will be transmitted to commuters for analysis and immediate use. The soils of the world will have been inventoried and each crop will be grown either on the soil best suited for it or in soil chemically modified for maximum productivity. Through information gathered by the satellites, the government will be able to make accurate predictions to guide marketing and distribution of farm products to avoid waste and local shortages and surpluses. End quote. What Freeman is in effect saying is that the federal government, using the satellites, will analyse, control and determine all farming in terms of an overall plan. This is of course not freedom, it is socialism and it is planning for famine because nothing will produce agricultural chaos more quickly than this central planning. Famine has long been a stranger to America, not since the earliest settlement has it been felt in these shores. But hunger may again enter our history soon if we continue our planning for famine. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.